This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Will, this episode of Tofop is brought to you by Movement Watches. Hang on, the sunglasses people? Yeah, but they're originally watch people. And like we're the OG podcast, they're the OG sunglasses guys. <laughs> is that official copy? Will they be happy with that ad read? I doubt it. <laughs> the following episode of Tofop is rated MA. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild course language. Tofop advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I am William James Anderson. And this is the Aaron Sandlands of Tofop episodes. We are at 2.11. I mean, it's a nice little crossover to our other podcast, Two Guys, One Cup, which is like this podcast with slightly more football talk and heaps more sock talk. <laughs> yeah, not really enough football talk to justify putting it in the AFL category, but we get away with it. Yeah, I think we should have put it in the sock category and we would be the number one sock-related podcast every single week. Do you think there would be, like, podcasts now are so niche. I saw that uh, Kim Kardashian uh, went on Twitter the other day to ask if anyone has heard of this podcast serial. She's loving it and just wants to know if this guy did it or not. It's like trendsetter Kim Kardashian is finally catching on to podcasts. Kim Kardashian also tweeted this week, have you heard of this uh, meal that you have immediately when you get out of bed? It's called cereal. I've just gotten on to both of them and they're great. Well, uh, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but I've been growing a beard. I have been no noticing that, Charlie. You're wearing an American style trucker hat yeah. and you've got quite a, essentially you've got one of those beards that makes me think that you've got a lot of guns at home and women in bikinis who just hang out with you oh what i'm dan bilzerian is that what you're trying to say yes that's yes that guy that was the guy i was thinking of you're dan bilzerian <laughs> uh yeah well I've, I've stated on this podcast before i think if i have a go-to look white trash like that suits me like trucker caps flannelette shirts wife beaters jeans like that's kind of that's my raisin d'etre. And I, uh, I've just I've stopped fighting it. I've decided to grow a beard. But I've got to a point. This is probably the longest I've let a beard go. So it's a, it's a proper beard now. It's probably about a six-week beard. Um, and it's now got to a point where I have to maintain it. And I've never had to look into this. Do you, are you aware that there's this whole world of like beard maintenance and not beard fetishism, but it's like... It's like a, its own subset of fashion is beards. I've just been getting into this world of like beard oils, beard balms, beard cuts, the things you can do with your beard, all this kind of stuff. Well, the, I think there was always this assumption with beards, Charlie, that while we will go to a hairdresser and get like oils and shampoos and cuts and styles, that your beard just grew out of your face, how it came out, and that was your beard. Exactly. But we've come into this new world where... Having a beard is much more than that. You don't just let hair grow out of the bottom of your face. Mm. You've got to style it and cut it and oil it and, and you know, manicure it. it. Well, this is a thing. I've, I've realized a lot of my friends uh, are watching this new series of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy because the amount of people who have seen my beard and come up and gone, oh, well, you know how you need to treat that. You need to get some oil and then treat that with some balm. And you can, and it's like, oh, okay. So I guess like Queer Eye are targeting like bearded guys. Well, not targeting bearded guys. It sounds much more <laughs> aggressive. I guess there's been a lot of bearded guys featured on Queer Eye this season. Yeah, well, I don't think it's actually... I think they've dropped for the straight guy as well. I think this new one is called Queer Eye. Right. Because it's not just for the straight guy anymore. In oh, fact, really? They queer Eye people who are, you know, queer themselves and they Queer Eye people who are transgender and they there's sort of no... It's just... They, they'll queer eye you regardless of how you identify. As long as you're some sort of dirty, revolting slob, <laughs> they are coming for you. So 
is it's like a so queer eye I imagine if if we've we've got Tofop's tantalizing tidbits, our Tofop respondents, if you're trying to contact them, is it a queer eye query? Yeah. Queer eyes at queereye.com. So I've had a lot of people give me beard advice and I have now got to this. Oh, I will mention just before we move off Queer Eye yeah. that uh, I must admit the other day, so I, um, I, I, you know, I've moved into a new house, as you know, mm. and uh, the other day I took the opportunity to go through all my clothes and mm. like put together a Goodwill bag, you know, take to, you know, some clothes that I have that I perhaps don't wear anymore that but some other people could still wear. And um, so I went through and sorted out my entire wardrobe and I hung up all my shirts, and yes. I must admit that uh, somebody walked uh, into my uh, like into the closet where the shirts are hanging up, and they said, "Oh, they're really well organised." And I realised that I had queer eyed my closet. Right, like I had not come out of the closet, Charlie. I had gone into the closet, and I had put them. So there was this one tip that they said that you essentially put them from lightest colours to darkest colours mm. in your wardrobe. And I arranged all my shirts and jackets from lightest to darkest. And I do like it. So hang on. Light it, does it matter in, if you go left to right or right to left? It's just as long as there's a gradient, right? Well, I think that like the further you go into your... I guess, you know, much like going into a cave, like a Thai soccer player going into a cave, Charlie, <laughs> it's meant to get darker and darker the further you go in. Right. Topical. I mean, a, a month late, but topical. <laughs> you know what? It was the best one I could think of. Much like Batman going into the ah, Batcave, Charlie. Now we're on brand. <laughs> you know how Batman arranges all his bat suits from lightest to darkest in his Batcave? But, so, so when they say arrange it from lightest to darkest, so you're saying the further you go back, the lighter the suit should be so you can see it? So the darker? No, the further you go back, the darker they are, I think. Ah. Why is that? I don't really know. I just heard a guy say it and I thought, yeah, sure. Why not? I'll give that a go. And I like it. I arrange my wardrobe by size. So I'll start with, I'll have a business section for a start. So it's like business shirts, like that I've, I've never gone to one single business meeting in my entire life, but I guess like formal shirts I'll have up one end and then there's the rest of my clothes, but I arrange it by like, it goes short. So it starts short from left to right short sleeve shirts and then it goes out to long sleeve casual shirts and then behind the long sleeve casual shirts it goes to long sleeve tops like you know just sort of um either undershirts or kind of thin jumpers and then it goes from that to thicker jumpers like sort of like wool knit ones like the one I'm wearing now or maybe it's like a, like a chunky hoodie or whatever like that and then from then I go to thin jackets and then I go from thin jackets to thicker jackets to winter jackets. And then I go right the way up to suits. So it's kind of like an evolution of thickness. What are you laughing hey, at? Hey, what's, what's your podcast about if I want to have a listen? Well, mostly we just describe what our wardrobes look like. <laughs> I've started folding my clothes um, retail style. Have you really? Which way do you fold your t-shirts do you fold them old school style or do you fold them retail style oh, hang on what's the what's the difference i just fold my well I, I try and i fold the arms in and i fold the bottom of it up so the neck is kind of like at the center top the the neck hole is that hang on so do? when you say you so if you lay the t-shirt down are you folding one arm oh you're going to demonstrate for me yeah. good Show me how you fold your T-shirt, Charlie. <laughs> right, sure. This will be great for our podcast. So I've got a T-shirt here. So I start like that. All right. So Charlie is holding up a grey T-shirt. Yep. So hang on. Do it more like that. So you All see right, that? Now fold it for me. So I fold yep. the arms in. Okay. So you're like folding the arms in. Yeah. And then at the back. Yeah. Like down like that. Yep. So that's folded up there. So that meets there. And then it finishes like that. So that's the front of the shirt? Yeah, retail style. Oh, that's retail you fold, style. You fold it retail style. Okay, cool. Yeah, awesome. Retail style. I don't know if that's what it's actually called, but I just mean like if you're in a shop, that's how they fold it. What's the old school style? I didn't realize there was another way to do it. Well, what you would do old school is you just fold it like your t-shirt in half. No. So most of the sleeves are against that's, each other. No one has ever sleeve in folded fold their clothes like that. That is... That makes no sense. Why would anyone fold their clothes in half? Why would you half your... You're going to get a big crease down the middle, Will. 
I think I gotta you- say, Charlie. I folded my clothes like that for 40 years. You did. And I've just discovered retail style and I fucking love it. It's a revelation to me. You are, I would wager that you are the only person in the world who folded their clothes in half. It wasn't, it's not a game where you have to match the sides together. Mike, how, uh, I mean, I know computers don't wear clothes, but do you fold your clothes in half matching sleeve to sleeve or do you do retail style? And have you ever done Will's crazy person style? I don't think it's crazy person style. Um, he hangs all yeah, of okay. them. Uh, that, that's a very that's what AI would say. It's very efficient, as saving time. Yeah. Don't have to fold anything. Okay, Charlie, I'll ask you a different question. Then. Okay. Socks to get to our favorite topic of conversation. <laughs> when you're folding your socks, are you a just fold over the top part of the sock and let the rest of the sock hang like it's Christmas time and you put them up by the fireplace, or are you a Roll them into a complete ball, sock style. I'm going to roll them into a ball, and if I've got the time, I will line up and try and drop punt them into my drawer. <laughs> it becomes a little game for me. <laughs> I'll get my washing. I'll fold up. I'll lay out all the socks. I'll pair them all up. And I have this kind. I have this constant, hey, if you want some hacky comedian jokes, I had this problem with missing socks. <laughs> like it really, though, about, about two months ago, I... So, what is the deal yeah. with the missing socks? I got so angry, though, with the missing socks because I could not understand where they were going. So I got rid of all the orphaned socks. I got rid of all of them. Then went out and bought all new socks. And I sat down and looked at our sock drawer, and it was paired up. Every sock had a pair. And over the last two months, I've watched more orphans grow. And, I get, and, I, and, and I'm like, well, maybe... Maybe just the cycle of the washes is out. Like maybe there's a, a sock here that's been hasn't been found in the original wash. So I'll just keep that sock aside and then the cycle will come around and when I'm doing the laundry, I'll find the other sock. And can't, no, every friggin' week, more and more orphan socks appear. And I'm like, I don't... It, I, I know, know what you're talking about. It's like you collect that one and then you're like a poker player just hoping for the flop. Yes! You're hoping that another sock will drop at some stage and you'll have a pair. Yeah. And I have like... I have I have variations on the same kind of sock, and so like I'll be like a scientist holding these two socks up to the light, like judging distance and length. Is the knit exactly right? Oh no, the rim is a slightly different. There's more elastic around there. Ah, yes, that's a perfect match. So once I've done all that research, I'll line up all the socks in a ball in the bed. I'll open the second drawer, and then I'll take a few socks back, and I'll line up, and I'll do a drop punt. <laughs> I'll drop punt three or four into the drawer just to make sure I still got it. I recently realized that I've, because of that reason that it's hard to pair socks or which work out which one's the you know, matching pair and those sort of things. And that does annoy me, I must admit, having random socks. I have started wearing a lot of novelty socks. What? Because they're easier to pair. Uh... But Amy hates novelty socks. Yeah, I do like, too. Absolutely hates them. For me, I'm like, well, they're not seen by the world, so it doesn't really matter if they're novelty socks or not, but she hates So run me, socks. So run me through the lineup. So what do you got in your novelty collection? I've, I've seen you've got some marijuana leaf socks. I've seen those ones. Yeah, I had three pairs of those. I'm down to one <laughs> pair of those. I don't know where the other two pairs Smoked went, them. But that might have something to do with it. <laughs> you smoked them. You're very desperate. You're like, well, there's a leaf on it. Maybe a lighter. Hey, mate, you got 50 cents? I just need a packet of whole proofs. <laughs> just, just one packet, man. I mean, imagine if you did that. I've just got to get to imagine They're having a sale. You smoked your socks and it was the best high you'd ever had. And then you now got this conundrum. It's like, holy shit. Like, I need to smoke some more of these socks, but I can't let anyone know my, my, my secret, my dirty secret. And if they're dirty socks, they... They smoke even better. That's the that's the worst part of it. <laughs> is it? Or is it the worst part of it? Because for, for me, that solves two problems, right? Like socks aren't that expensive. Mm. So if it was like a great high for dirty socks, I would just become one of those people who bought a new pair of socks, wore them till they were dirty, smoked them, got real <laughs> high, and then went and bought a new pair of socks. It feels like it's a perfect scenario. You'd be the crazy guy who goes down to the shops in socks but no shoes just to get them real nice and dirty. Just just getting them dirty. You know what, mate? You can wear them for a while. Yeah. I'd buy secondhand socks from sporting organisations. I'd linger out the change rooms of sporting organisations and I would pay off the property steward and just get a bag of dirty socks. 
So creepy and so gross. Sorry, okay. You go take me to the novelty socks. So you got the marijuana ones. Okay, so so I have the yeah, so those ones. I have some that have umbrellas on them. I have some that have pineapples. Are you picking these for the design or is it just random novelty? What first thing you see? To be honest, I want something that differentiates them from other socks, but I actually tend to try to go for things that are like not too novelty. Like your your boring end of your novelty sock is is where I'm going. But I've transitioned out of the novelty sock, so I'm I'm Amy doesn't like them, and I, I was like, you know what, you know what, like if it, she doesn't yeah. like them, then I'm not going to wear novelty socks. So I went to the markets, and there was this place that was selling bamboo socks. Have you worn bamboo socks before? No, but I have a ba- so apparently it's, I have a bamboo pillow. Yeah, apparently it's the like the latest thing. It's yeah, you know, very breathable or yes, whatever. Exactly. Or that or, was me miming <laughs> breathing at you. That's a lung. Was it? Yeah. I never would have got that. Let us never play charades with each other. It's like he's trying to catch something. I don't understand. He's miming tongs? Tongs. Is it tongs? So um, I got these bamboo socks, which I like. They're really comfortable. But I find them a little bit slippy. So in my, in my shoes, because I don't like wear my shoes very tight, I find if I go on like a long walk, they tend to shimmy down into the shoe, which is annoying. Yeah, when I um, uh, was doing Home and Away... Plus pandas keep eating my socks. They're the two downsides. When I was doing Home and Away, they uh, ordered my wardrobe in and they ordered my character these these cowboy boots. Um, But the wardrobe, uh, head of wardrobe, she wasn't sure what size foot I had or she wasn't sure what the American conversion was. So she thought rather than getting boots that'll be too small, I'll order a size bigger and that way, you know, if there's an issue, we can fill it out with like inner soles and like thicker socks and stuff. Turns out that they were too big and all the inner soles and explorer socks in the world did not help. So I would be wearing these cowboy boots. And because a lot of scenes scenes in Home and Away take place on the beach, have you ever tried to walk across sand in cowboy boots that are too big <laughs> when you're sliding all over the place. Like it's very hard to look cool when you were, it's like you're walking on like, I imagine like high heels must be like your foot slipping out. You've got this big, like chunky cowboy boot heel that's digging into the sand. It was very difficult. I can't wear cowboy boots. Mm. I'd love to be the sort of person who can wear cowboy boots, but for whatever reason, I put on a pair of cowboy boots and they look ridiculous Are you sure? like ironically considering that i am the son of a dairy farmer who was the son of a dairy farmer so technically i am indeed a cowboy i cannot wear cowboy boots yeah but are you pulling the jeans over the boot part i mean i think anyone looks silly if they've if they're tucking the jeans in and you got the full boot coming up to there but what you do is you wear the jeans over them and they just look like boots yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I think even my ankle configuration is wrong, or maybe it's just the style of pants that I wear, right? But like, they just look weird. They look like somebody who's wearing boots under their pants. Yeah, but you are. Yeah, but you're not meant to look like that. That's the trick of them. Most people can do it without somebody going, why have you got... Like, I look like I'm wearing shin guards, like I'm about to go and play hockey. Yeah. How do you look? How do you look in hats? I know you wear trucker caps a bit. You look okay in a trucker cap, but what other brand? We branched off into other hats. Like I've never seen you wear like a pork pie hat or a bowler hat or a fedora. None of those kind of looks. I mean, I put my fedora on when I'm writing a lot of complaint letters about um, them ruining Star Wars on the internet. Yeah. But other than that. When I'm using the hashtag not all men constantly online, I'll whack on my fedora for that. But otherwise, no, I mean, I'm terrible in hats. I have a bad shaped head. Like, you know, my high hair, mm. like kind of evens out my bad shaped head. But I look terrible with my head shaved. I shaved it once and it I just remember. atrocious. Yeah. You looked, you looked, you looked a lot scary. You know what you looked like is like an, an alien, an alien who had taken human form. <laughs> it's an alien who had approximated human form like hadn't quite they hadn't quite got the incubation chamber right and so when they birthed this this uh, 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 abomination <laughs> <laughs> no you weren't that bad but it didn't see you. i can't have a shaved head either but that's mainly because i have a very extreme cowlick in the front of my hair so i've got this i've got this cowlick here that when my hair gets cut really short i basically get like a little you know, like at the back of your head, there's like a little crown where the hair curls around. 
I get that at the front of my head. So basically, <laughs> you know, like Charlie Brown in the cartoon has that little By swirl. the way, I just need to point out that the symbol that Charlie used to me of his fingers to describe that was doing the little circle with one hand and then sticking his finger into the circle. That, again, you would be terrible to play charades with. That is not the symbol for cowlick. That is a symbol for people doing it. It is the internationally recognized symbol for people doing it. And you thought it was cowlick. I didn't think it was Gallic. I was just trying to describe where it was. And I, to make matters worse, I put the ring right against my forehead and then started jabbing my finger into it. <laughs> Fuckhead. Fuckhead. It's the film Dickhead. Fuckhead. Fuckhead. <laughs> World's worst charades player. I actually am terrible at charades. I, I can't remember the last time I played it, but I feel like there's too much pressure in that game. Don't you think? Like someone's interpret, you're relying on someone to be like a performer, and I think it's I think it's a, a, an unfair advantage if you're partnered with someone who is not comfortable being a performer. Okay, do, do, like do a movie for me. Okay, it's a movie, and right. you, you can come up with any movie, and we'll see if you can charade it to me. Yes. Okay. All right. After our discussion about which socks we use, we're now playing charades. <laughs> Welcome to Tofu. <laughs> Three words. First word. First word is a uh, the. What does that mean? Cross. T. What does that mean? Two. Two syllables. Second word. The. Yes, correct. Okay. The. Two. Second word. Second word. Yeah. Okay. Sounds like. Second word sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking. Confusion. (laughs) Laughing. Waving me off. Third word. Third word. Yeah? Third word. We're skipping the second word? Sounds like. Third word sounds like. Uh, Fighting. Fight. Punch. Uh, Yeah? Punch? Sounds like punch? Sounds like fight. Uh, The something night. Is it something... The something night? The Dark Knight. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All I right. realize, you're not that bad. I, I, Actually, I, I'm good. You're terrible. Yeah. I got to I got to Dark and I was I was gonna go, it sounds like bark. <laughs> so the one thing I picked that it sounds like requires noise. <laughs> See, I'm terrible at charades, as demonstrated. What's your go to game if you were gonna play some sort of, you know, uh, yeah, party well, game. Well, the last few dinner parties I've been to where like a game has been broken out, everyone seems to be way into Cards Against Humanity. Cards Against Humanity is what it's called? Have you ever played yeah, that cards one? Cards Against Humanity. Yeah, Cards Against Humanity. That seems to be the popular one uh, right now. Yeah, I know there's a bit of an anti-Cards Against Humanity thing. It's like one Ooh. of those things that really divides people. Like there are some people who just have this loathing to like, oh no, not Cards Against Humanity. But I actually, I think it's like a, it's a pretty easy way to be funny. Oh, like, yeah, I often definitely. find that like having to be funny out loud to people and you know, do those things is like, it's quite taxing. You know, it's exhausting to have to do that. They've already written the funny answers on cards. You just have to hand them in. Well, you know, it's like that episode of South Park where they took the piss out of Family Guy. Where they say this is how they write a Family Guy episode is you just take that you have those like what was it like those seals that go around the swimming pool and they just knock balls into so you've got a you got a, a celebrity a situation and a location and suddenly you've got a Family Guy cutaway it's that kind of principle right yeah absolutely it is what um, I do what I like about it is the way it kind of allows you to profile your friends because based on the joke they've put down or, 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 or the combination of, of gags have put down. You're like, oh, that's definitely a very Will kind of joke or that's a very Charlie kind of joke. Oh, and I have found that Amy gets quite judgmental if I don't understand her sense of humour. If I can't clearly identify which one of them is her, if we're playing with a bunch of other people, <laughs> that, it, that it does have a degree of blowback on me and the nature of our relationship. <laughs> well, Amy and I used to play a, a version of Guess Who where we weren't, 
we weren't allowed to use any actual physical descriptors of the person. It all had to be about... Now, when you say a version of Guess Who, we have to point out to the people who don't know this, but it literally was a version of Guess Who. It was like a cheap knockoff version of the board game Guess Who, which, and I think it was called from memory, Who Is It? Who Is It? (laughs) That was our favourite part, because at the end, you got to to whisper, Who Is It? But we would play that game where you weren't allowed to use any physical descriptors. You just had to make assumptions about the person based on the image that you're presented with. And so, you know, there was obviously people who were obviously sexual deviants or people whose fathers had never hugged them enough or, you know, someone who's... Yeah, so it was like, uh, does your person look like they would not be allowed within 100 metres of a school? (laughs) Yes. And it was amazing. How often would be on the same page when it came to making rash judgments about people? <laughs> well, it goes back to a theory I've floated often on this show, Charlie, which is we should arrest everybody who looks like a pedophile and assume they're all guilty and then just eliminate the innocent people and give them a queer eye style makeover. Because almost all the time when somebody's convicted of being some creepy sex pervert, <laughs> they look like a creepy sex pervert. <laughs> Uh, it's a funny you should say that, Will, because it's probably a good time to segue into Tafopospondence. How is that a good segue to anything we could talk about? <laughs> because someone mentioned something very similar to this. So uh, Tafopospondence, T-mail, um, what, else, what else do we call it? We've got some... Um, uh, uh, everybody read facts, although that's not quite happening yet. We'll work that out later at some point, I'm sure. It's Tafopospondence. Uh, hey guys, Tom here from the UK. I've been listening to your most recent episode, The World's Greatest Comedian, and I had to suddenly pause it and hide away at work uh, so I can email you the idea for a potential episode. Charlie just said, the pedophile and the alt-right activists look just fantastic. <laughs> now, just to give people some context, we're talking about Gordon Ramsay's show, the one where he goes uh, in disguise. What's it called? To Hell and Back? Uh, 24 hours to hell and back 24 hours to hell and back and so there was one particular uh disguise he went in where he looked like a a pedophile so tom got the idea he said uh it made me think uh, that some of the stuff you said sounds really strange out of context (laughs) yes so my suggestion is that you get people to send in out of context quotes from the podcast the worse the better and you guys have to recall the context and justify the quote I thought it may be fun. I've been loving your stuff and been listening for over a year now, so it'll be embarrassing for me if you've already done this. All the best, Tom. Well, I mean, it's a decent idea, but I don't think we would have any success in identifying what we've said on this podcast. We can't even remember what we talked about last week. Oh, earlier on in the episode. Often we don't finish stories. Well, we've had someone going through our back catalogue and uh, logging uh, the episodes. Basically, anytime there's significant conversations or or topics or whatever, we've just something to put down the time code. And I've been going through this thing and being like, what the hell were we talking about? Or were we thinking? A lot of the times I'm like, maybe I don't want to go back and hear that again. But at one stage, I found a quote here where it's, uh, Will talks about if they spilled wine on their recording equipment and a beautiful woman was born with microphone tits. I mean... It feels like we've evolved from there. I hope, Charlie. Yes. It feels like, I mean, look, as everybody knows, when we started this podcast, um, we loved Kevin Smith's podcast, Smodcast, but this was a different time. Yes. You know, Kevin Smith back then was fat and hadn't had a heart attack, and now he's like super skinny and doesn't quite, his face doesn't quite fit the rest of his body now. Like, I'm glad that he's like fit and healthy. Uh, You know, he had a heart attack and he lost 50 pounds and, you know, I'm really excited for him. But he does look a bit weird. Like he was, he's just one of those guys that you remember being like a big guy. And now that he's super skinny, it just kind of, every time you look at him, it's like you've got a new TV and you haven't set it to the right calibration and it just kind of vaguely hurts your eyes. Yeah, I think that reference was more a weird science reference than anything that, anything that we were saying. We we're talking about, obviously, weird science. They create a beautiful woman by hooking up, I think it's like a Barbie doll, a stuck at Playboys in their computer, and then this beautiful woman is born. So we were talking about birthing the perfect podcast companion. Yeah, I understand that. But I'm, I'm guessing that there's some stuff from earlier episodes where we just go, let's, yeah. not, let's, not, let's, not, let's not air that again. 
Yeah, let's not. Yeah, it'd be good if like that's destroyed by the internet. Could we do the George Lucas thing where we just go back and we just like remaster and just redo the stuff that we didn't like? Oh, we hand shot first it. Yeah, or ET when they replaced all the machine guns with walkie-talkies. It's like you know what? It was oh. a different time. We feel a bit bad about that stuff. We're gonna go all the cum jokes and stuff. We're gonna replace it's now. It's now it's pineapple juice. <laughs> Would you drink pineapple juice out of a guy's eye socket? <laughs> I mean, it's still a pretty confronting conversation. <laughs> yeah, I guess we. Well, you know, it's like it's incremental. We don't want it. We don't want to just like redo the whole thing. It's like small changes, bit by bit. I, that is that thing, though, Charlie. Where I think about this quite often in this culture we have now of somebody saying something and their entire life and career being destroyed. Is mm. that you know? And this is not to justify you know things that we said. And there'll be things that we say now that. You know, hopefully two years from now, five years from now that we've evolved and, you know, perhaps, you know, the world's evolved and, you know, they're conversations that you wouldn't have then. I think that's kind of, I hope that's a good thing. I hope yeah. that's like, you can go back and listen to the earlier episodes and listen to these episodes and, and go, oh yeah, here's some people who, you know, kept their eyes open and kept their ears open and tried to grow and evolve and those sort of things. Like, yeah. you could be like those, you know, comedians who come out and go, no, it's bullshit that we can't talk about drinking cum out of an eye socket <laughs> anymore. It's bloody polit political correctness gone mad. You can't say anything. We're being silenced. Mm. Well, you can be like ACDC and just keep playing the same thing that everyone knows you for. Or, you know... You can do a concept album. Try and just try something different. Yeah, because the one thing we don't want to be is like one of the most successful <laughs> bands of all time. Well, this episode of Tofop is brought to you by Movement Watchers. That's MVMT. Oh yeah, okay. No, so it's not movement spelt out movement. It's MVMT an abbreviation of movement that you just pronounce movement. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like exhibit, the rapper. It's not like exhibit as in an exhibition in a gallery. It's like exhibit. It's a good point. I actually got an art gallery exhibit to pimp my ride once <laughs> and it did not work out well. Very surreal around the steering wheel now. Well, if you want someone to pimp out your wrist, uh, movement are the people you should go to. <laughs> Again, not official copy, but I'm just going to roll with it. Uh, you've heard me talk about movement before. Well, they're those two crazy college dropouts who started their own watch company. And when I say crazy, I don't mean genuinely mentally unwell. I mean ambitious. They were free thinkers. Yeah, and you know what? If they are unwell mentally, that's totally fine as well. I mean, that's just a thing that happens in society, and I hope you're getting the appropriate treatment for it. But if your symptom is to start at a cheap, affordable, stylish you know, wristwatch company, then perhaps, you know what? Lean into your crazy a little. <laughs> This company has is grown, Will. It's huge. Now with almost... Now, this is in the copy. It says 2mm. Now, my reading of mm is millimeter, but I'm assuming they mean million. But 2mm? If, say, if, someone, if something is 2mm... Is that like? Is that? A, is Give there me the context of it, Charlie? This company has this company sentence? has grown, and with almost two mm watches sold in 160 countries. So, what would mm mean? I mean, it says two m is accepted for two million, right? I've got to be honest with you. I think it should just be two m, unless it's two million million, which is like <laughs> I don't know, two billion or something. <laughs> I mean, does it offend you? As a guy who works for Triple M, does two M's just seem like not enough M's to you? Well, Triple J was double J beforehand, so yeah. maybe it's just old school. Yeah. They've got, well, we're going to assume they've got two million million watches sold in 160 countries. They continue to revolutionize fashion on the belief that style should not break the bank. Now, I don't know if you've checked out the site lately, Will, but they have doubled the number of watch styles and they're still expanding like the universe Movement Watchers continues to expand. Yeah, I mean, they have doubled the amount of watch styles, but they don't double it every time you check the website. I need to point that out. Yeah, yeah, no. If you check the website every day, there's not going to be double the no. amount of watches there was the previous day. That's a good thing to point out. You know what? There's a beautiful heartwarming story behind Movement Will. They've come a long way from being the crowd-funded kin... <laughs> I can't speak. It would be a heartwarming story if I could speak English. Let me start again. Movement has come... It's a heartwarming and mouth-stopping story. <laughs> a long way from being crowd... 
crowdfunded is a hard word, from, be, from being crowdfunded kids working out of the living room. In the past year, they've not only introduced a ton of new watch collections for both men and women, but also expanded to sunglasses and fashion-forward bracelets for her. What does fashion forward mean? Can oh, you explain that to me? Where's your fashion forward bracelets for him? That's the next part of the yeah, yeah, yeah. expansion. Oh, I don't, don't you worry about that, Will. These two crazy college dropouts, they're expanding constantly. So I'm sure fashion You've forward You've got to keep something up your sleeve him. and not just an affordable and stylish wristwatch. What does fashion forward mean exactly? Is that like, is that like a precog of fashion? It's like... Oh, you know, you, you got Tom Cruise there and he's like moving his screens around and suddenly like a little wooden ball rolls up and says, in two years time, everyone will be wearing these bracelets. I guess it kind of is like that. Like, I mean, I guess it's the opposite of old fashioned. You don't want to be old fashioned. So you want to be fashion forward. Nobody wants to be completely on trend because <laughs> if you're on trend, Charlie, you're actually old fashioned. <laughs> Now, there's lots of ranges you can check out. There's a revolver collection. There's uh, 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 there's the watch that I have, which is the Black Rose, which is uh, I've talked about before. This is my James Bond-esque watch. When I want to dress up an outfit, I know you seem kind of skeptical that you'd have a different watches for different occasions and different sunglasses for different occasions. But, Will, it's true. When I want to look classy, I put on the Black Rose. I go up to someone at a bar. I subtly just lean across and I put my wrist in front of their face and say, hey, <laughs> check that out. You like it? <laughs> Movement! <laughs> I mean, with that going on in bars around Australia, it's a surprise to me that they are expanding and not going backwards. <laughs> Movement watches are all about looking good and keeping it simple. Movement watches don't tell you how many steps you've taken or blow your wrist up with text messages, i.e. you up, question mark, wink. <laughs> you ever get a booty call, Will? Don't think I have ever had a booty call. I certainly have never had anybody message me saying, you up, question mark, wink. You know what? Like, maybe it isn't a booty call. Maybe it's someone doing a study on sleep patterns of middle-aged men. (laughs) I mean, that's more likely. If I get a text like that in the middle of the night, it's probably someone doing scientific research as opposed to a booty call. Yeah, or it's probably just somebody messaging me know that I I have breakfast radio hours. So, you know, if they're messaging me at nine o'clock, they might just be like, you up? You know, I want to call and talk about some work issue, but I'm aware that you may already be in bed. Well, a movement watch just tells the time and it looks good doing it. You're not going to be bothered with intrusive notifications, text messages, emails, etc., etc. They're old school. Yeah, I bought a movement watch and threw out my computer and phone. <laughs> they don't advise you to do that well. Oh, again, Charlie, we go off script a lot in what movement advised us to do. We've taken it into our own stylishly appointed hands. <laughs> movement watches start at just $95. Take a wild guess, Will. At a department store, what do you think you'd pay for the similar, a similar kind of watch? I would say up to... You're trying to give me hand signals. $45? No! Up to $45. Up to four dollars fifty. Four to five hundred dollars. Four to five mm. <laughs> Not me. Four to five hundred million million dollars. No, Will. For a watch like this at a department store, you'd pay between four and five hundred dollars. But Movement figured out that by selling online, they were able to cut out the dreaded middleman and the retail markup, providing the best possible price with classic design quality construction and style minimal minimalism movement is the only choice for you well it's not the only choice but it's the best choice for you we're not going to tell you what to do yeah it's styled minimalism and no middle malism <laughs> exactly get 15 percent off today with free shipping and free returns by going to movement.com slash tofop that's movement.com forward slash tofop and see why movement keeps growing check out their expanding collection today go to movement.com slash tofop and Join the movement, Charlie. Looking a bit more enthusiastic. I'll point to you again. And? Join the movement. No. Charlie? <laughs> not, no, not the emphasis on me. The, join the movement. Get excited. And? Join the movement? No, oh, question mark. Join the movement. Join? Oh, that's good. Yeah, let's get stuck that. Mike, I'll cut the rest of those out. Don't cut any of them out. My <laughs> art is my art.
Wayne Hawkins got in contact, Will. He says, uh, hey, Tofop. Hi, Charlie and Will. I'm very baked and I'm watching Cajun porn stars. I'm seeing Civil War swords and thinking, uh, imagine an Aussie version. How much for my fax machine? I was hoping for 500 and he takes five. Any thoughts on what else an Aussie porn show would sell? Thanks for all you guys do. Will, don't forget Hobart. Thanks. Wayne, it's okay if you say my name. Wayne. Wayne from Hobart. I mean, <laughs> yeah. No, it's wrong, Wayne. Uh, I won't forget Hobart, mate. I love Hobart. Mona, um, the Apple Isle, um, I don't know, other stuff. Salamanca Markets. Surely they do an Aussie porn show, Aussie porn shop show now. That seems to be, that would be like an obvious choice, right? Yeah, I think this is one of those ones where Wayne from Hobart has messaged us going, how hilarious it would be if there was an Australian version of those porn star shows. Whereas I am pretty certain there is an Australian version of those porn star shows. Yeah. I or, Like... In fact, if Michael could Google it, but I bet there's an Australian porn stars of some kind. It's funny. It I, might not be called porn stars, but there was a, when I first moved to Sydney, there was a cash converters up the road from me that I went to quite a bit. I remember it would have been 2001, and I went uh, to this cash converters to trade something in and use my credits or whatever they gave me to buy a tape Walkman. <laughs> 2001, a Walkman that played cassettes. I don't know what I was thinking. Well, that'd be very hip now. Cassette ta- tapes are back. If are you they had really? That now you'd, uh, yeah, apparently. Apparently, there's been a real. Uh, here we go. Porn Stars Australia is the Australian adaptation of the American series of the same name. It premiered on the 21st of July, uh, 21st of July, 2015. Uh, the Australian version is the third international spin-up spin-off after Porn Stars UK. And porn stars, where else? Where was the second one before Australia? Uh, English-speaking country? English, well, yes. English-speaking country. Um, porn stars, New Zealand? Uh, no, but also a nation we play cricket against. Porn stars, South Africa. South Africa. Porn stars, South Africa. Uh, the series stars the brothers Aaron and Ben, uh, along with their childhood mate, Shannon, uh, Shannon Folden, who oh, what a great uh, owned name. the well, yeah, right. Shannon Folden, who owned the well-known a pair of porn stores called, oh, so it's a Sydney okay. porn shop. Yep. Um, and they've got a play on. Uh, it's a porn stars style adult reference. Yeah. Uh, what what are they called? Hardcore porn. It starts with H, so okay. you're in the uh, right area at hot, least. Hot. Horny porn? <laughs> no, that's too much. Um, it doesn't uh, have porn in it. Oh, okay. What's another name for porning something? Hock. Hockey. Happy hockers. Happy hockers. Yeah. Well done, Charlie. Yeah. Actually, you, maybe you would be all right at charades <laughs> if you can talk and you have to guess pun titles. Yeah. So if it was a game that's not charades? Our new game, Charades Against Humanity. Yes. Uh, happy hockers in Sydney. Um, let's see if I can find... Um, some something interesting. Oh, okay. So I've got. There's not much here that I can have a look at, but um, I've got some names of episodes. Mm-hmm. So the first episode is um. All right, I'll just I'll just leave out one uh one of the words. If these blank could talk. Uh, if these if these blank could talk. This blank could talk. Is it a household item? Uh, I wouldn't say a household item. It'd be an item that uh, most households might have in it in some way, but uh, you wouldn't refer to it normally as a household item. Okay. Um, if these, if these jousting poles <laughs> could talk. Okay, Charlie. All right. So you've got the idea of it. I'm gonna. It, they haven't been that clever. All right. So it's just. So what's the original phrase? If, there if wall, these, these walls could talk. So it's a word that uh, oh, rhymes okay. with walls. All right. If these halls could talk. If these balls. Could I mean, talk? that would be a good one. Balls. If these balls could talk. <laughs> also, the name of my porn star autobiography. If these balls could talk, they would say, "I'm it's so actually, tired." <laughs> I'm so tired. Can you get me some it ice? The, it was the original title of Mick Jagger's autobiography. <laughs> if those balls could talk. 
Uh, uh, we're um, back to Tofop Evolved. Great, fantastic. Oh, he's a good one. Just after uh, 15 minutes after we've saying, said how much this show's evolved and grown, we get our biggest laugh from If These Balls Could Talk. <laughs> okay, so uh, episode nine, their title of the episode. Now, uh, I love this one. Yeah. So it's a, a pun play on a popular Australian actor's name. Ah, uh, good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are you going to give me context or is that it? Well, the, probably not the most popular Australian actor, but previously probably the most popular Australian actor, still one of the most popular Australian entertainers. Uh, like, is it Paul Hogan? Uh, you're in the right sort of zone, but not okay. Paul Hogan. Jack Thompson? Uh, uh, Jack is part of the name. Huh? Jack is what? Jack is part of the name. Jack. 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 Popular Australian actor, Jack. Jacko. Michael. Jacko? <laughs> I'm an individual? <laughs> yes. Mark Jackson? Mark Jacko Jackson. Is it really? No. I was going to say, he's not really that popular. Uh, Jack. Jack. Who's a popular Australian Jack? Jackson? Who would have been the most popular Australian actor before Chris Hemsworth? Oh. Uh, oh, Hugh Jackman. Right. Hugh Jackman. Right. Okay. Yeah. So what's the episode called? Um, and... Gonna, is that it? I just have to guess it from Hugh Jackman? What, what's well, it's just a pun on... Uh, huge, so the last, huge, oh, so it's two huge. words. All right. Two words. Okay. It's two words, and the last word is Jackman. Um, huge Jackman. Who's Jackman? Uh, Ho's Jackman? Who, who Jackman? Who Jackman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that doesn't work. Because it doesn't make sense. Because you'd never say, who Jackman? Oh, it does work, I guess. Hugh Jackman. Who Jackman? If you're... Who Jackman? My favourite actor's Who Jackman. <laughs> yeah, I guess it does work. I take it back. Porn Stars <laughs> Australia. Who's your favourite actor? Who Jackman? I love Who Jackman. <laughs> yeah. I guess. In certain context. Um, all right. All that's right. about as much information that I have okay. there. Well, let's go back to Tofop Respondents. Michael Schneider. Schneider. Schneider? Schneider. Fred Schneider, Schneider from the B-52s. How do you pronounce that? Is it Schneider or Schneider? Schneider. Michael Schneider. Hey, hey, Tofop. Nabel and Charlie, here's another tantalizing Tofop tidbit. Not really, just an anecdote and related question. I was at a Pride march recently where I overheard the brother of a friend complain that The Last Jedi ruined Star Wars because of all the SJWs. I was amused by the irony of the statement being said where it was. I was wondering if you guys had a similar situation where someone says something completely not appropriate for the occasion. Thanks for the hours of entertainment. Keep it up. Michael Schneider. Schneider. Uh, so SJW, Social Justice, Justice Warrior. Warriors. Yes? Yeah, yeah. This guy was complaining that they ruined Star Wars Last Jedi at a Pride rally, who I imagine was populated with SJWs. I mean, it does. I, I do like when somebody picks another battle. Yeah. You know, it's like one of those things where you're just like, no, 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 I'm fine for, you know, the celebration of, you know, sexual diversity. I'm just not fine for them fucking up Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. I think if you are looking for people saying stuff uh, that is counter or not reading the room, uh, just watch The Last Logies. I think uh, Bert Newton got a real shock uh, when he came out and did some of his uh, some of his jokes and was like, oh, maybe, uh, maybe like Tofop. Uh, the TV industry has moved on. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad they had. I'm glad it was one of those things where, because Bert came out and look, you know, Bert's a, an old guy and he's not been well and he was a legend of Australian showbiz and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But um, he really did not read uh, the tone of modern society when he was like, <laughs> oh, you know what's ripe for parody? This Me Too movement. Yeah. I bet I'll get some big laughs implying that everybody was sexually harassed back in my day. And I did love that people... Because I think there would have been a temptation when you're in that room to just kind of laugh along because he's a TV legend. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, it, people didn't laugh along and, 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 you know, other performers actually addressed it on stage, which I thought, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, maybe things are moving in the right direction. Meryl Barr, friend of the show, has written in, congratulations, boys. Hollywood has called and they'd like to do a reboot of Superpod. Superbod being our, our first ever live show with Greg and Dave from Walking the Room, which was famously lost minutes after the recording finished. However, 
They want it to be a sequel franchise, a la The Force Awakens. So that brings the big... Uh, so what is the big event that brings you, Dave, and Greg back together and who plays your younger counterparts? So I don't think... So what he's saying here is we do uh, the we reboot Tofop Superpod, like The Force Awakens. So the four of us are the older guard, but then there's four younger people who are going to take Superpod forward in the future. So how do we do it? What's the big event? I mean, I think it's got to be an anniversary. I think if this is going to be a Hollywood film, like... The legend of Superpod has grown. It's like 30 years after the fact. And Superpod is now just a, a legend, you know, something that's whispered in the hallways. Were you there at the town hall in Melbourne when the night Superpod happened? But we're all in disparate, you know, like any great movie, we're all off in different places. Like I haven't spoken to you in years. Dave and Greg haven't spoken to each other. We're all in different parts of the world. Maybe one of us is a monk. Now, taking a vow of silence just for that extra challenge of like, well, how are you going to do a, a super pod if one of them won't talk? Can't be me because I'm terrible at charades. <laughs> Maybe it can be Dave. Do you think Dave would ever take a vow of silence? Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm happy to take the vow of silence. Okay. I, I, that's one of my great fantasies is becoming a person. Like, as you know, often if I'm home by myself, I won't talk all day. Like, and, you know, sometimes someone will ring me at like six o'clock and I answer the phone and like I've got that morning voice still because mm. I haven't spoken to anyone. They're like, did I just wake you up? And like, no, no, I've been up for 12 hours. You are just literally the first person I've spoken to today. All right. So you're the one who's a monk. I'd say... I get the call, and I'm the one who's whole. I'm, I'm the one who's like still living large off like the tofop. I'm still going to conventions and stuff, and like bringing out the old jokes. It's like, hey, drinking, come out of an eye socket, and uh, I'm a podcast lady with microphone boobs. <laughs> hey, hey, playing to like smaller and smaller crowds, but still, still trying to keep it going. Still trying to flog my tofop t-shirts out the back and stuff. And I get this call saying that they want to bring back. Superpod for like an anniversary, an anniversary performance. So I have to, I guess you'd be the last port of call because I know that you're the hardest egg to crack because you've taken a vow of silence. So I fly over to the States, which by then I imagine is just like a smoking ruin. <laughs> like it's, it's like, it's like Fury Road. I go to a citadel and find where Dave is. Find Dave and Greg enslaved in some citadel and convince them to come back to Australia. So the three of us have to seek you out. How do we get you to leave the monastery and come do Superpod? What will it take? I'm not doing it. I've taken a vow of silence, so I'm sorry. I'm not in show business anymore. I'm I'm trying to reach enlightenment with my other monks. Well, maybe uh, some dirty socks would change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I actually think here's what is more realistic. All right. Um, here's what I think. It's I don't think it's a reboot, Force Awakens style. I think it, uh, this is a, an instance of all our careers have failed, but the one lasting thing that people talk about is Superpod. And so we, like those bands that get back together and play that album that everybody loves, we just literally, as old people 20 years later, go back to the Melbourne Town Hall and recreate word for word Super pod because people don't want to see us do new, new stuff. They don't like any of our new stuff. They just like that magical moment that was super pod and they just want to hear that again so they can relive their youth. Well, I guess it's more than that because the whole legend of super pod is that it was lost. There is a bootlegged, uh, there's a bootleg copy somewhere. So you're right. People want us to do that exact show, but in a way that it can be recorded properly. So like that's the appeal of it is like not only will you see these guys on stage for the first time in however many years, but they're actually going to do this show the way it was originally intended to be heard. Yeah, there was a Radiohead single that they put out recently that I only ever played live, but they'd never like recorded properly. And that's what it would be like. It'd be us like going back into the studio to re-record Superpod. Like we get a transcript from the recording from people's phones. We put together a transcript and then like voice actors, we go in and we actually recreate Superpod. Now, Meryl's saying this is a Hollywood movie. And so they're, they're setting this up as a franchise. So I imagine... Like, that's fine to bring us back. I, I get that. But we're, we're going to need to load up now on four young stars to be part of this reboot, to, to make it sexy and bring it into the new age. We have to cast, like, 
four young leads that are going to take us take us into the franchise territory. Who do we want? Well, Dave, we need somebody who's like Dave's your sort of curmudgeon, right? Yeah. So who's your young curmudgeon? Like, uh, like uh, <laughs> <laughs> young curmudgeon. Um, oh, like uh, oh no, I was gonna say. That dude from uh, Deadpool, but you probably don't want to cast him, do you? You know, Earl Lick from <laughs> Silicon Valley. What's his name? TJ Miller. Yeah, TJ Miller. Probably not good to cast him, right? No, I don't think so. I think we could give that opportunity to someone else. You know what? Let's cast for diversity for Dave. Right, Let's okay. find a female Dave. Okay. Let's cast female a grumpy Dave. female Dave. He's a grumpy female Dave. Uh... What about Jonah Hill's sister? She's in um, Lady Bird, and she's also in uh, 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 Bad Neighbours 2. She's pretty funny. She could do curmudgeonly. Okay. Jonah Hill's All sister, right. who, uh, whose name Jonah I do Hill's not know. Sister. Dave, <laughs> starring <laughs> Jonah Hill's sister as Dave. No, but this is the thing. At least we've said our... It's like, but it's not. They're not. They're not playing the younger versions of us. It's it's the it's the Force Awakens formula where they're just the younger cast. Who I think you're right. I think you're on the right track. They should have the same qualities as us. They should be the same archetypes right, as but us. They're not the same. Yes, they're but they're not the characters. same characters. So yeah. So it's fine for her to be a curmudgeonly Dave Anthony type. So yeah. then we need. Um, okay, you know what? You know who's quite curmudgeonly and is good at being curmudgeonly? Who? And he, he'd have to bulk up for the part, but I think he could do it. Is um, Ronnie Chang. Oh, yeah. The Australian, yeah, yeah. Malaysian, uh, you know, now on The Daily Show. Uh, good actor, does very good line in curmudgeonly and hating everything. And, like, you know, he's super fit at the moment, but would happily, I think, you know, just kind of like, you know, get into the character role and play a Dave. I like Ronnie Chang. As Dave. All right. Diversity, I like it. So for Greg, we need like a kind of rockabilly, mohawked, tattooed, cool cool cat kind of dude. Uh, or Dudette. Maybe this can be the one where we where we uh, we Ghostbusters... Oh, yeah. Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters reboot it <laughs> and make everyone yeah, who is- really fucking angry. <laughs> yeah, the one guy at a Pride rally going, I can't believe... <laughs> That they cast an Asian and a woman in the Superpod reboot. This has ruined Superpod for me. Uh, who's a cool tattooed... Is there some cool young girl from a band? Like, is there yeah, some... Yeah, Who's the kind of cool young yeah, rock singer from like, a band? Dude, do you stage? not remember there... the episode where we tried to name a rock band from the last 20 years? And the closest we could get was 21 Pilots, who aren't even a rock band. Oh, you know who we could get? Who? Ruby Rose. Oh, yeah, perfect. Ruby Rose could play Greg. Yeah, Greg's Greg's so, archetype. Ronnie Chang. These are all people that we could possibly get so far. Yeah. We could get Ronnie Chang to play Dave. We get Ruby Rose to play Greg. And ironically, we've got the two Australians to play the two Americans. So maybe we should cast two <laughs> Americans to play the two Australians. Yeah, it's a good point. Well, it's got to play internationally. All right. So who's a kind of like a younger, a younger comedian, a Will Anderson type? Um, oh yeah, can we get Thomas Middleditch from Silicon Valley? Can he be like the Utah? He's got that. Oh, don't, he's a good actor and he's funny. You don't like that? Too geeky. Uh, no, I really, I really like him, but I didn't see myself as being quite as goofy <laughs> and inept as no, he is. I mean, I'm, I guess I am. Uh, no, I'm but... not. I'm not thinking Silicon Valley Thomas Middleditch. I'm thinking Thomas Middleditch, the performer. I've seen him do other stuff, and he's very funny. And I think he's got kind of. I don't know, he's kind of quick and funny like you are. No, you don't. You're putting your foot down. No, is no it, I'm having is, a middle ditch. All right, all right. And so now we need yeah. to cast me. You yeah. can you can cast me. I cast middle ditch, so you do your worst. Okay, so it's got to be somebody who's like a, uh, you know, an actor yeah. that does a little bit of comedy crossover. Yeah. Well, I mean, is James Franco too old to play you? Dave, probably da- Dave Franco you. would be right. Dave is probably the right age. Dave Franco, yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we are definitely a Dave Franco style organization rather than a James. We're like, can we get James Franco? And his agent's like, we can get you Dave, which is how Dave gets most of his work. He's actually a very fine actor, but he gets most of his work going, you can afford Dave. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Great. Film's cast. We'll speak to you soon, Hollywood. Uh, Lucky Tusi gets into contact. Uh, hey, Tofop. 
I love it when you two discuss reboots and dream casting some movies. Well, you're going to love this episode. And on the odd occasion, you have made reference to movies like The Naked Gun and Flying High. With the current state of popular comedies consisting of gross-out comedy, uh, see the trailer for The Happy Time Murders, which is the new Mr. McCarthy go- takes on Muppets. Have you seen the trailer for that film? I have. How would you approach a sequel, continuation, a reboot of one of these classic comedy movies? Are audiences today smart enough to understand the humour of these films? My suggestions, uh, requ- my suggestions request for films I'd love to hear you talk about would be Caddyshack and Hot Shots 1 and 2. <laughs> Hang on, sorry. I'm going to read that sentence again. Would, how would you approach these classic comedy movies? Are audiences today smart enough to understand the humour of these films? And then you bring up Hot Shots 1 and 2. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, I think you'll find, Charlie, technically Hot Shots Part 1 and Part 2. <laughs> and that's, that's the level of sophisticated humour that perhaps can't be replicated these days. Uh, now, I've, uh, this may come as a shock. I've never seen Caddyshack. I mean, I know what it is and I know who's in it. But I've never, I've never seen it. It's like Animal House. It's a couple of like those late seventies, early eighties SNL alum comedies that I, I haven't, I haven't seen. Have you seen Caddyshack? Oh yeah, but it's it's the golf one, right? Yeah, yeah. It's such an iconic movie that everybody loves, but like everything to do with golf, it bores me <laughs> senseless. The only golf movie I've ever liked, and this is not a good movie, but I quite like this movie is uh, Kevin Costner's Tin Cup. <laughs> oh, wow. Ron Shelton directed that, that film. Bull Durham's Ron Shelton. <laughs> I see. I loved Bull Durham. I thought Bull Durham was a brilliant movie, and I must admit that I have carried on that affection for Tin Cup, which is probably a terrible, terrible More than, film, but so I enjoy you, you don't like Happy Gilmore? Does that count as a golf movie? I guess that's a golf movie. Yeah, no, it's my favourite Adam Sandler movie, as I've previously expressed. So yeah, uh, yeah, okay. So I do, okay. So there's a couple of exceptions to the rule, but no, I don't have the level of affection for Caddyshack that some people do. No, and I, I mean, it's just it's just odd that of the two films in the entire oeuvre of uh, comedy films, the two you want us to reboot are Caddyshack yeah. and Hot Shots One and Two. <laughs> I mean, it'd be great to give Charlie Sheen a break. You know? Yeah. I think the one thing that we can all agree on is Charlie Sheen has gone from strength to strength since the Hot Shots franchise. I would argue, and maybe this is controversial, that I think I I enjoyed Hot Shots 2 more than Hot Shots 1. I don't think it's controversial because I don't think anybody else in the world cares. I think for an opinion to be a hot take, it needs to get people angry about it and people would be like, sure, why not? Speaking of hot takes... Some tough correspondence here from Jane Dunn. Hi, Charlie and Willie. I've never heard anyone call you Willie before, and I don't like it. In a recent episode, you mentioned Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, hence the Willie. Ah, okay, that makes sense. I've always loved Roald Dahl books for their subversiveness and the silliness, and they were favorites of my kids as well. But watching the movie as an adult, something annoyed me, and I can't let it go. So when you were talking about it, I thought, here's my chance to vent. My annoyance comes from one character. Grandpa Joe. This miserable bastard lies around all day in bed while Mrs. Bucket slaves away to the point of exhaustion, waiting hand and foot on these lazy-ass pricks trying to provide for them, all with soup made out of one measly potato. So when Charlie wins the ticket, everyone's excited, but it looks like he won't be able to go because Mrs. Bucket can't get away from looking after the grandparents. And lo and behold, poor old bedridden Grandpa Joe is suddenly prancing around like a newborn colt. What a bastard. I can't get, can't get out of bed to help his daughter, but as soon as there's a free trip to a friggin' factory on offer, wow, it's a miracle. Turns out he's not quite as bedridden as he thought. And how about this, Grandpa Joe? How about you... Get off your ass, get out of bed, and offer to take care of the other grandparents while giving Mrs. Bucket a day off to go enjoy the chocolate factory with her son. Hey, Grandpa Joe, what about that? No, he's betrayed as a hero that saves the day so Charlie can have his dream. Not in my book, sunshine. Anyway, rant over. Have a great week. Love, Jane. Now, that's a hot take. That's (laughs) someone who knows how to have a hot take on something, Charlie. (laughs) Controversial. Here's what I would say. Here's some of the subtext for me is that that, um, Charlie's mum, Mrs. Bucket... Uh, she is severely diabetic. And the idea of her going to a chocolate factory and spending the day there would be an actual nightmare to her. Uh, what she needs is one of the grandparents to step up and take Charlie. You think that that's still, even if she was a diabetic, she can go through a chocolate factory. They're not going to force sugar into her mouth. 
Although, considering yeah, what, but it's a con- waste. Considering it's like what, taking ha- a priest friend to a strip club, like it's it's fine, but like <laughs> he's not enjoying the lap dance. Uh, yeah, I think a royal commission will say they do. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I've never really thought about it like that, but I can understand where the annoyance comes in. I just don't, I can't remember how Grandpa Joe is the one who selected. Like, is there some kind of, like, did the, did the grandparents all fight for it? Or is Grandpa Joe the only one who's not completely invalid? Oh, I got the impression that Grandpa Joe is the most lovable of all the grandparents. All the others from my memory seemed a little curmudgeonly. Yeah. Yeah, I can't, my, my memory of the film is a, is, a, is a bit hazy, but I seem to remember that they're all in the bed together. They're all in that one room in that one house and you've got mum making like potato soup or cabbage soup or whatever it is. And so when the, Charlie comes home with the ticket, surely they could just be like, mum could go, you'll be fine, just don't eat any sugar, watch the fat kid get eaten by the chocolate river, <laughs> watch the little blueberry girl get blown up. <laughs> like, as long as sure, mum... Surely they should have been like, you know what we should do? We should sell that ticket yes. and we should split the profits of ah. that ticket and we should buy some soup. <laughs> yeah, they didn't really think that through. I Look, it didn't bother me, but Jane, I feel like you said you've got kids as well. I feel like maybe this really spoke to you. I think it, I think it hit a raw nerve. Maybe, maybe your grandpa Joe, whoever your grandpa Joe is, maybe it's your husband, maybe it's someone else, is not pulling their weight. Maybe you need to have a word to, who's the grandpa Joe in your life? When you're getting the kids yeah. ready for bed. I don't think you're really angry about Grandpa Joe. No. I think you're angry about the person that Grandpa Joe uh, represents, represents in your life. The person that you feel like isn't doing their fair share of the hard stuff, but every time there's an opportunity. You know what it is? It's your ex-husband. He gets all the fun every second weekend, gets to take the kids to Disneyland while you're there slaving, packing their lunches and disciplining them. Well, you know what, Grandpa Joe? I wasted seven years of my life on you, Grandpa. Oh, hang on. It's not about Grandpa Joe at all. It's about Gary. All right, let's uh, let's wind it up there. Uh, if you want to yep. support the show, you can go to tofop.com um, and listen uh, to any of our other... Hang on, no, no, fuck that up. If you want to support the show, you go to patreon.com forward slash tofop. You can donate any amount of money that keeps this show running. Uh, it's not just this show. We've got a whole bunch of shows. We've got Willosophy and Two Guys, One Cup and That's Awesome and uh, Fofop. They're all available at tofop.com. And so any amount you give to us on Patreon, it goes to making sure that those shows happen. Um, you can go to our Facebook page. Uh, we're also on Twitter. Will, do you have a tour coming up? I do. Will Legal is the name of my show. Sydney Opera House, uh, Saturday, October the 13th. First show is uh, very close to selling out. Second show, uh, tickets available. And it'll be a big, long show, the second show. Justin Hamilton is doing support. Townsville, Noosa, Bendigo, Packenham, more gigs to come. Uh, what else do we have to plug? That's it, really, isn't it? Oh. I That's think uh, listen the- to our footy podcast, Two Guys, One Cup. Um, we have a live show the day after the AFL Grand Final if you're in Melbourne with the guys from Junk Time AFL Pod. Yeah, uh, more information will be coming of that when we know because we still can't decide what the name of the venue is. Or did you... Or did European you find- Beer Cafe in the city ah, in Melbourne. there we go. The European Beer Cafe. But there'll be plenty of information that online. Um, that's it, I guess. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.